everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I am your host this week, reporter and senior columnist with Investment News at investmentnews.com, Bruce Kelly. Uh, we have a great guest on this week, very interesting guy, Peter, Peter Malouk, president and CEO of Creative Planning, which is one of the biggest and most interesting RIA aggregators uh, out there in the business, this uh, in, the, in the financial advice industry right now, and has been for some time. First off, we want to thank our sponsor this week, Charles Schwab Asset Management, before beginning. And we just want to say hello to Peter Malouk. Peter, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes to to chat with us. Yeah, good to do this again with you, Bruce. I think it's been a few years since we did it last time. Of course, you guys have been in the news very recently with this very significant acquisition. And I think, you know, I don't know if there's been bigger acquisitions in terms of size, but you all recently said you were acquiring the Goldman Sachs personal financial management. Of course, Goldman bought United Capital uh, Financial back in 2019. So I think, you know, that was one of the first large exits that we saw by one of the guys who you and I spoke about, you know, these guys who, I think that was one of the first interviews I did with you, was these guys who started the aggregator marketplace like uh, Joe Duran from United Capital, like Rudy Adolph in, in Focus, Focus Financial Partners. And so you have acquired them from this business from Goldman. But before we talk, we get into all that detail, all that newsy stuff, just tell me about you and United Capital. You were an estate planner, I think, with United Capital, in, 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 and you're based in, in Kansas City, Right. So we're headquartered in Kansas City. I right. am an estate planning attorney. I started my career in estate planning and eventually- So you weren't always in the acquisition business, in other words. No, right? no, Just no. Trying and to I started say, as so. an estate attorney, then there was right. creative planning, and then creative planning grew. You know, I think basically from 2004 until, I don't know, I might not have the date perfect, but around 2018, 19, before we did an acquisition, you know, as part of an acquisition strategy. And that- and so now acquisitions have supplemented our organic growth over the last five years or so. Right. So why did you guys make that shift? Matt? Why, so what were you What were you thinking about, you know, in 2017, 2018 to get into the acquisition marketplace in 2019, which seems like a pretty opportune time to do it. You really, before the valuations seem to explode on some of these firms for these other Big buyers like the guys up in Canada, CI Financial, came in and started making a lot of noise. You guys, you guys made this decision. Why did you do it, and what was the thinking all the way back then in 2018, 2019? Well, I mean, the thinking in the beginning was we that we really felt we had to do this organically to build something strong and sturdy, and that had our own DNA in it, right? And so we built our tax group, we built our legal group, we built our trust company, we built our insurance practice, we built our wealth practice, and you know, when you have a, a lot of people building that together, I mean, approximately 15 years, creative had a culture, it had an identity, it had a process. And then it opened the door to us to do acquisitions. Now, the, the best organic growth we've ever had in our history have been each of the last five years. But acquisitions are in addition to that, you know, not really replacing that. And I just look at it and think, you know, we really had this thing built out. And so when I went to somebody who was interested in selling, I was able to say, this is exactly what you're getting. It's very good for the seller. And it's very good for us because we know that they want to do exactly what we're doing, right? And versus a strategy where 
look, a United Capital is a little bit like this, where everybody's doing something a little bit different. You have a lot of wonderful people, but they don't agree philosophically on anything. And they're doing things very, very differently. That's just a very different setup than, you know, creative planning. So creative planning is kind of a one brand, one platform model. Is that is that is that correct? Yeah. I mean, if you if you go to creative planning in Hawaii, New York, Florida, wherever, you are going through the same process. Right. It doesn't matter if you have a billion dollars or a million dollars. We are taking you through a process that we believe has the highest probability of making sure we don't miss anything. We get everything right. We look for all of the opportunities. We get you to the right team and specialists and so on. And so that process is consistent. The same planning software, the same general in investment thesis and a, a philosophy. I mean, and that allows you, that process allows you to customize because if you're taking people through a process that uncovers everything, you can then go, well, we need to do A, B, C, and D that's unique to you. If everybody's doing their own thing, it's extremely inefficient. Things are going to get missed. That kind of model requires more models, right? And so creative is very much about customization and we need that persistency of process to enable us to do that. That I think is one of the things that makes creative planning you know, special is that we're just very, very good at that. We've really figured out the, the, the ideal way to deliver that to clients and clients respond favorably to it. So again, when you go back to looking at an acquisition, whenever we're acquiring a firm, we have them you know, come to our headquarters and look at exactly what we do and how we do it. And then, then they know like, hey, I love this. This is going to be great for my clients or it's not, rather than winding up with a place where you've got a bunch of people doing their own thing. So I just think it's an important distinction in the marketplace because it is very different from the the, um, the strategy of focused financial partners, right? Which was to buy practices, kind of capture a certain percentage of their cash flow, and then have them do their own brand. You know, if they wanted to sell alternatives, sell alternatives, that kind of thing. There was no there was no real, you know, whenever I would call up uh, Focus Financial and ask them about, you know. Do your RIAs do this, that, and the other? They would say, hey, we don't know. We're just a holding company, you know, right. <laughs> is one of their right. responses to me. So they were like a financing vehicle, I think a lot of people say in the marketplace to, to some degree, you know, but you guys do have that unified brand, unified process. I just think it's an important distinction for a financial advisor to, to think about. Well, yeah, I think if you were an advisor and you were selling, you had a lot of options in the marketplace. I mean, you could you could go to Focus, and Focus was the right fit for people that wanted to retain their brand and strategy and right. things like that. And and, he, and United Capital was the right uh, approach for people that wanted a shared brand and shared negotiated relationships, right. but wanted to maintain right. their own trading and planning and, and things like that. I think these are different solutions on the spectrum, and, and creative planning is most certainly you know, not the right place uh, for a, a lot of a lot of teams, and it's the perfect place for some of them. And and that some of them, they really really shine here. I mean, they really grow at a whole other level. I think they're happier here, and they they know they're sharing more than a brand. And you're at roughly two hundred thirty billion in assets, or something like that. Now that's about yeah, it's about right around in that ballpark. Yeah, the um whatever the ADV will say will be updated to say or whatever. And then your financing. Who is you? Who who are your financial partners? Uh, do, do you work with banks? Do you work with private equity people? Who who does who under who helps underwrite your business? You're the majority so, owner, as I understand. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm the majority owner. We have about 300, 400 team members as as partners here now, and I think that's growing in their the employees interest. Employees can buy in, right? They can buy in, receive grants. There's a lot of right. different ways that they can get units. So every year it shifts a little bit from me to the employees. 
and that accelerates uh, each year, which is a good thing. General Atlantic is a, a minority owner. They own maybe 16, 17% of creative planning, but they have never financed uh, anything that we've done. I mean, they basically invested on day one and that was it. And all of our acquisitions, you know, we've done independent of General Atlantic. I see. So now let's, that's all background, get that out of the way, I think for the listeners. Now, what what ha- what happened recently that's caught everyone's imagination, I think, in, in the wealth management and financial advice space here? Why are you talking about the United Capital trick? Yes. The Goldman, yeah, okay. Yes. Um, of course I am, Peter. Come on. All right. Just, <laughs> you know, it's only or maybe Tuesday. Or something else you, know. you guys are doing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's I mean, I look. That, it's big news. Whenever yeah, Goldman that, Sachs is in the headline, I think it's big news. Right. I think I think now we own, I think, two of the largest RAs in the United in the United States here. And and I think that, you know, when, when we did the United Capital deal, from the first phone call to the deal closing, was eight days. I mean, it was a very, very, Whoa, very quick. fast process. And look, we weren't allowed to, you know, to talk to the team uh, directly. And so there was a lot of stuff that we, you know, learned after the fact. The first thing I did was I got on the phone. I said, here's a little bit about me and creative and I'm going to listen. And for two days I listened and, you know, I didn't get through all 70 something offices, but I did talk to about 120 people and 40 or so offices. And I, I, I'm continuing my listening. But at that point I knew this is not going to work, you know, all inside of creative. And so I've presented options to them where, you know, they can continue on as United Capital 2.0, which is what the you know overwhelming majority of them, you know, post that announcement have told me they they want to do like all the all the things they had before continuing, but without some of the complexities of being inside of Goldman Sachs, I think is extremely appealing to a lot of them. And then I said some of the, some of them, it makes sense for them to come to creative or do something different. And so we're working through that now. But, you know, whatever they had before, you know, we showed up, uh, they have that at a minimum, uh, but with more optionality, more control, probably a little easier to operate. So I think it's going to work out great. Um, and we'll wind up with two, you know, completely separate RAs. Schwab Asset Management is proud to sponsor the Investment News Podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. Their focused lineup of ETFs includes low-cost market cap equity index ETFs and fixed income ETFs. Their bond ETF offerings provide clients with a wider range of low-cost choices for strengthening the diversity of their portfolios. These funds also have the potential to provide tax efficiency, liquidity, and transparency. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, Schwab Asset Management is committed to delivering exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs. That's schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs. So there'll be a creative planning RIA and there'll there'll be a rebranded United Capital RIA. At at a minimum, that's what's happening out of this. That's correct. That's interesting. That's that's You know, my philosophy- Why not meld meld the two? Because I'm not interested. I'm not interested in having the biggest RA in the United States. I'm I'm interested in running the best RA in the United States. I want clients and to do that. Your clients have to have to be happy. They have to feel like they're getting what they want, and you need advisors to be happy. If you don't have those things, forget about it. Nothing is happening, right? And so, to me, if I took uh, you know these 71 offices that do things very differently, you know some some trade one way, some trade another, some do planning, some don't. They use different planning softwares. They have it's very different, different lead sources and so on. Um if it's if it's best for them to continue on in a in a United Capital uh 2.0 type environment, 
and that's what their clients bought and paid for and want from their advisors. Well, if the clients and advisors are happier, I'm probably going to have a better outcome that way than cramming everybody in the creative planning and uh, and really, you know, kind of messing up a lot of things. Then their clients aren't happy. They're not happy. The creative planning team isn't happy. I mean, it doesn't make no, any I sense. It. I get yeah. it. So, so you, yeah, so would, it, would it be op- perfect? Is those, are it, those the two options for the for the planners and advisors over there right now? United Capital 2.0, creative planning, or something? Is that it? I mean, they, they, have, something else they have three options. I mean, one option is you know United Capital 2.0, which obviously is appealing to them because you know that's what they were doing before, right? Except they inherited some headaches that you just have to do inside of an investment bank. Yes, and they can get free of those headaches and go back to doing what they signed up for. Uh, no repapering of clients, all this stuff. I mean, obviously that's extremely appealing. The other is creative, which is an offer that's only going to be extended to where I think that's a fit for creative too. I mean, we, it has to make sense for creative. That'll right. be a small minority uh, of this. And then, you know, for some, it might make sense to to have a couple of these come together that share a philosophy and be their own RIA. That's, you know, not appealing on a lot of levels for many of them because now you've got compliance and HR and you're taking back stuff you wanted to walk away from and you lose some synergies uh, that can impact the value of your practice. But I mean, all of this stuff is on the table. And the lens through which I look at it is, you know, is it going to be best for the client? Is it going to be best for the advisor? If I can get to that point, then it, the rest of this is going to work out. And how many financial advisors are you talking about here? How many United, United Capital has effect? United Capital has several hundred advisors. It's right. a very significant, you know, operation. And have you released the, the transaction price? At all here, or the cost of the deal is—is is that public yet, or no? It is not public, and I and Goldman has indicated they're not going to release it. No, oh, okay. Um, just again for the listeners, when Goldman bought United Capital originally back in 2019, it was for 750 million dollars, I believe. So I haven't spoken to enough people, Peter, to make an educated, you know, even guesstimate about what this what. United Capital personal financial management would be worth or what the what the price was. I, I'm just not well qualified to speak to yeah. right yeah. now. What was just the overall feeling or impression that you got about these several hundred people here we're talking about? Were they were they relieved to get away from Goldman Sachs or were they what's the right word to to did they just want to move on? Did they what was the what was the sense in your conversation? with these people what what are these what do these advisors want to do you know what how are they feeling well i would divide it into you know like the, their sense on the first day and their sense on the on the third day i mean on the first day i mean look they, they've been through a lot right they right. sold to you know capital then to private equity and then and then the goldman sachs i mean this is a, i mean a lot right and so i think they were just tired <laughs> and yeah. little, many of them had some ptsd and that's the kind of the words they used and i understand and i think they were scared they're going to go through a whole other process with a million different moving parts. Now, I think after after Wednesday, I think that's been completely different. Now that they see, you know, this group of options, and including one that's the one that they want in the first place, I think that now I'm seeing more relief and, you know, hey, I, this sounds like it makes sense. Just I need details as quick as I can get them. And so I've, I found it to be you know much, much better since that point. And when these uh, advisors sold to Joe Duran and United Capital originally, there were various non-compete clauses and and all that stuff, as I understand, were put into place over over these people. So they just couldn't. It wasn't like a broker with a book of business who, if Merrill Lynch came in and bought your broker dealer, you could go across the street to LPL or to Morgan Stanley or something like that. The, a lot of these people aren't in that kind of 
a lot of these financial advisors aren't in that kind of situation where they can be recruited by, you know, a competitor as easily as a as an individual broker in a, in such a circumstance might. You know, I, I don't think that's unique to United Cap. I mean, I think that's just basically how how it is when yes. someone buys a practice, right? So if you if you sell a practice to you know any of these companies, Creative, Cap Trust, Mercer Wealth Enhancement, whatever, whoever all the aggregators are, I mean, obviously no one's going to pay a multiple of earnings and then let somebody then go, hey, thanks for the check, and then leave and go take all the clients. Or that's not no one would ever do a deal. No, there would be no buyers and sellers market. And so, yes, when when United, Joe Duran bought those practices, they they have agreements that say, hey, you can't sell us the practice and then solicit the clients away. And that that contract then got passed through all these transactions with the PE firms and Goldman Sachs and now to creative planning. What is it? And this is this just wanted to tell you, I think we're coming up on almost on 20 minutes here. Just one more question than anything else that you would want to add about the transaction or anything in general. Why has the you've been in this game for the building out creative planning for 20 years or so in the aggregation, in the, in the acquisition marketplace for several years now. Why the intense interest now or more recently? I mean, there has been interest in this for over a decade, I think, but it just seems Goldman Sachs put its toe in the water with this deal. It didn't seem to work out so much for them. They want to concentrate as they tell us repeatedly on the RAA custody business and on their asset management businesses, RAA custody is very competitive. As you well know, you you have an agreement with Goldman to do uh, custody uh, uh, with them. Now, what is it about the aggregator market, though, that is so, other than the the EBITDA stream that you get, the, the, the net income stream of, of cash that is so attractive to so many of these large private equity organizations or banks or, or investors? Well, I think that, I think that one, one thing they like is that the market is moving to the independent space, right? So you see more and more Americans moving to independent firms. So you're on the winning side of that. More and more people want to work with a fiduciary and, and RA. And, yeah. Working. And more advisors, more clients, yeah. you know, both. So you've got st- a lot of things heading in your direction there. I think the other thing is that that in a firm that is good, right, that delivers, those clients are very sticky. The, the happy clients, they'll stay for a long, long, long time. So the buyer knows that, hey, if I've got a firm that's shown an ability to deliver, that what I'm buying will actually be there, you know, five or 10 or 15 uh, years from now. I think that's uh, very appealing as well. And then lastly, it's a highly fragmented industry. And so, you know, if you're a buyer, you know that over time, that fragmentation will it'll start to coalesce around some winners. And so if you can be part of a winner, that's another thing that will probably help you succeed here. So there's a lot of ways to succeed and a lot of protections against the downside. Now, we've seen a lot of things not work out here of late, and that's kind of new to the RIA space. But in general, there are a lot of positives that if you are fairly good at execution, you can create value uh, over time. And I think what a lot of people say to me is, be very careful who you partner with in terms of your, if you are a large firm and you want to start making acquisitions, be careful of your aggregator partners, your private equity investors or your bank investors or or something like that. It, it has to be kind of a really buttoned up, solid relationship. Oh, yeah. I think, I think you that can look at a lot of my these. impression, you know. 100%. A lot of these big firms, I, I promise you, the, did not end up the way the founder thought they were going to end up because they lost control of their firms and they wound up you know, with strategies or sales that I, I don't think that um, 
they would have chosen themselves. And so I think it's really, really important to have the right partner or make sure you don't give up the majority control and, and unless you're ready to watch the destiny of the organization in a different uh, direction than, than you're envisioning. Anything else, Peter, you want to add today? No, this is great. Good to do this with you again. Hey, I really appreciate it. Just hang in there, Peter, for just for one more second, please. We just want to thank once again our uh, guest this week, Peter Maluk from Creative Planning. Launching every other Monday now. It's every other Monday. It's the Investment News Podcast. We also want to thank our sponsor this week, Charles Schwab Asset Management. Find the podcast at investmentnews.com, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. My Twitter handle is at BD News Guy, and stay tuned. We'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>